0: Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We've got a packed final show of 2020 here for you today. We are going to wrap up season two of The Mandalorian by discussing that barn burner of a finale. We are going to review yet another Oscar contender in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And tis the season to discuss Christmas movies. So we are going to wrap up the show with our schoolyard pick, Of Christmas movies, we got no time to waste Let's do it Thank you for joining us on another fabulous episode of popcorn for breakfast with your co-host kirk hello hello i am your other co-host cam and this is our final show of 2020 kirk we made it we almost well i shouldn't i shouldn't count my my chickens before they hatch because 2020 is crazy there could be an asteroid hurtling its way toward earth as we speak so I shouldn't say that we made it. But we're close. Be, I can see the careful. finish line.
1: Be careful. Uh, when know. you said that this was our final show, I was like, are, did you not explain to me the podcast was ending? <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> it's our final show for 2020. I mean, if there is life beyond, beyond 2020, which I question at this point, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, also, like, this is what's... I have some depressing things to share. Well, it, People what? are like so happy to be like they're like 2020 good riddance this year sucks which i mean it does this year sucks it it just does but who's to say it's going to be any better on the other side kirk i know that's really a pessimistic thing but when when midnight rings on on uh, january 1 i think we're gonna find that things are mostly the same sadly
1: yeah and, i love and the that depresses that are out me. there that they say <laughs> it says uh, uh 11 uh december 31st 2020 and then the clock the clock start strikes midnight and then it says 11:60 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. december 31st 2020 <laughs> and it never ends
0: yeah i think we'll just refer to it as 2020 until we're out of this crisis that we're in we should just like let's not call it a new year until like we're legit
1: out when everyone's vaccinated or the majority of people are, maybe that's when we can officially I think, I, think say, I
0: read, we need like 65% vaccination oh. to get to a point where like it's safe, which seems like a large number. To yeah. Me.
1: And because it takes three weeks, right? You get your first injection, then there's a yes. three week waiting period. So that's a long time. That's a really long it is time.
0: A, it is a long time. It is a long time. Um, mm other sad thing that i read just because we're gonna just get this out of the way and then we're gonna move on i read the saddest article the other day that said that snow days are no longer a thing have you heard this what that because of because of e-learning and the ability to go virtual that was you know brought brought on by covid that like snow days are no longer a thing because they'll just be like oh yeah you know use your computer and work from home and that just crushed me That just absolutely crushed me because like, imagine being a elementary school kid in the Midwest or like really anywhere that gets snow and you have to deal with the fact that there is no longer a snow day to look forward to. I think that's the biggest part is not that you won't have snow days. I think it's that you will like, you lose the hope. You lose the yeah. prospect of there being a snow day. And that is almost worse than losing the snow days themselves.
1: Yeah. I, that doesn't make me very happy at all. No, it's, um, it's horrible. I, I it's like the
0: biggest days. loss. I know. We all did. I mean, you sat there. There was no more exhilarating feeling as a child than like, or like as a, let's say like middle school or high schooler, than like you've got something due tomorrow that you have not done. And it is somewhat, it's high level of effort kind of project. Mm -hmm. And you, there is a, there is a chance of a snow day and you are banking on that to come in, come through for you. And when it does, man, the euphoria, the bliss, it's just like, it's unmatched.
1: That's right. You roll the dice, you go to bed without finishing it. And you just, you just wait and you wait. And then you hear your mom creep in and say, Hey sweetie, she rubs your chest. No school today yes.
0: It's the best it's You get the best. rush You do Yeah yeah When you're little Yeah when you're little and, the, and your mom or your dad comes in And they're like Hey no school And you're just like Oh my gosh What a <laughs> gift What a gift Also like the You know like the The superstitions The like sleeping with uh, Your uh, PJ's inside out That some people do Or like I've heard of some people Like sleeping with a spoon Under their pillow Or something like that Like that's a thing mm-hmm. It just hmm. made me, it was just soul crushingly sad to hear that that may be getting robbed from children all across this country. After COVID has taken so much else from us, now it takes the snow day, which
1: is it just, so it's so much joy, so much joy, and now more joy stolen from the children. How dare you, you evil virus.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really sick. So I read that, and my heart legit just, it just sank. And I was just like, "This is the worst. It's the worst."
1: Well, this is going great. I feel super sad. I'm <laughs> ir- <laughs>
0: yeah, you're in a good, you're in a good mind frame. So let's um, let's turn it around. Let's talk about good things.
1: Can I Holidays, tell you the good? Yeah, because I got to get out of this. I am a kind of notorious um, scroller on my Facebook video feed. I will watch okay. dozens of random videos. So if you are a content creator, you are you have a good chance of infiltrating my timeline. And I just okay. recently discovered this freestyle rapper named Harry Mack. And okay. I just want to spread his name. Free plug. And hopefully he can uh, shout out to us or make a rap about us at some point. He literally just makes everything up on the fly. And like he'll like start rapping about you, and you make up words, and he'll say, "Yo, yo, Cameron, he's got a green sweatshirt," and, he, and better than that. But
0: he'll yeah, just let's go hope. For like
1: seven <laughs> seven <laughs> minutes. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm actually training to be as good as him. So um, yeah, on our next podcast that we do, it'll be it'll be Kirk raps.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's great. I think that sounds great. It'll probably only yeah. take you a couple of weeks to get that down. I think.
1: Right, I'm gonna have it ready for 2021. So get ready. Sweet,
0: can't wait. Yeah. So shout out Harry Mack. Um, other good things, you know, the holidays, Christmas is coming up. That's always good. Um, that's it. That's it. Harry Mac. <laughs> that's it. Christmas. Harry Mac and that's Christmas. It. All boom. you gotta look forward to, everybody. Done deal. Um, another good thing was the Mandalorian finale. We just got that Mandalorian season two. Just wrapped with a juicy finale, one that was setting the internet and the Twitter, the Twitters and, and the Twitterverse aflame last Friday and throughout the weekend. Um, so let's dig into that. So here's your, you know, we do spoiler free things on this podcast. That's we've never been shy about that. We do spoiler free reviews. We try to keep things spoiler free. Um, right now we're breaking that rule. We're not, we're not going to be spoiler-free. We're going to be letting the spoilers fly. We're going to be getting fast and loose with the spoilers, okay? So here's what I'm going to do. Me and Kirk are going to put a little uh, timestamp in the description of this episode, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, that will tell you where our next segment begins, and that way you can just Skip forward past all of this, and that way your life won't be ruined by all of the Mandalorian spoilers. So, there you go. Sound good?
1: Sounds perfect.
0: All right, let's dive in. I'm so excited to talk about this. I've been like chomping at the bit. In fact, we, me and you, we saw each other this weekend, and uh, we were with our brother in law, Ryan, who hadn't seen it. And so, Mm -hmm. we couldn't talk about it. And I was like, I've been like, waiting for so long to talk to someone about it but now's our chance kirk now's our chance to finally let loose okay so let's get lay of the land so heading into this episode we've got the sickest ending to episode seven where uh din jaren is like he sends that message to Mav gideon that's basically like i'm coming for you it's over for you man like i'm gonna come in this it's on And then in this episode, that's basically what goes down. Like he gets Bo-Katan and the, his whole like Mandalorian squad and they go to this ship and they're like, they're playing for keeps. They're like going to get Grogu out of there, the whole thing. They like airlock the, um, they like open the airlock and suck all the dark troopers into space And then those crazy droid dark troopers like come back, and it looks like all is lost. But then a Jedi shows up. The same Jedi that must have heard Grogu's little like force call thing that he did on that rock.
1: On the sitting rock, yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, he shows up, and in about three seconds, you know exactly who it is. And who was Mm -hmm. it, Kirk?
1: Oh, it was Luke Skywalker.
0: It was Luke Skywalker. And Luke Skywalker does some awesome Luke Skywalkering. He like slays mm. all the Dark Troopers, and then comes in, and it's like actually Mark Hamill, like CGI de-aged Mark Hamill, and he takes Grogu, and they bounce. They're out of there. Wow! What what an <laughs> ending, it's... Kirk! What what an what an absolute barn burner of an ending there.
1: The gravity of, of that choice is huge because it's easy as you're watching as a fan to be like, oh, you know what should happen? They should totally throw Luke Skywalker into this. The toxic fandom has kind of ruined um, or tries to ruin the Skywalker franchise. There's so many people yeah. who are saying, we don't need the Skywalker franchise. Like, what are you talking about? That's where Star Wars began. Yeah, That's it why doesn't exist so- without it. Yeah, that's why it's so easy to piece it back together because it's so central to the entire Star Wars universe. So seeing him show up, robe on, green lightsaber fades up, it it just chills up my spine. It was so perfect.
0: Were you expecting Luke Skywalker to show up? Because we knew that the we knew that there was going to be a Jedi that showed up whenever it was when it was about to go down. Like I think I think we all knew that, right? Because they teased it in, like, what, episode five or whatever with that whole, like, seeing stone thing. So did you know that it was going to be Luke in your no, mind?
1: Not a chance. I was just so hopeful. But as these things go... You know, writers often sidestep it. You know, they lead you to believe, like, it probably should be Luke Skywalker. And they say, oh, actually, here's this. Like, for all we know, they could have thrown, well, they couldn't have thrown Mace Windu into it. Never mind. Rest no, they beast. could have. They could have. Oh, because we he came back to life in Clone Wars, right?
0: Maybe? Well, I- so I'm not there in Clone Wars yet, but I don't believe he does. I don't believe he does come back to life in Clone Wars, but I don't think we've ever gotten a definitive canon okay. death of mace windu there okay, are that would be cool
1: that would be there cool. are a
0: fair number of of star wars fans who think that mace windu survived anakin's assault on him and is out there somewhere
1: that'd be pretty sick that would be that would have been
0: cool it would have been cool
1: i guess it still could happen because they've they've got samuel jackson's face de-aging like mapped out from captain marvel so if they wanted to throw him in here it'd be super simple you know just like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah use that use that technology yeah uh yeah i didn't expect it to be him i really didn't because i thought it would it's it was like almost too obvious so that they wouldn't do it so that that's what made it all the much better to see him just pop up on the screen
0: yeah and i think i did expect it to be luke um but i also like I expected it because I just simply because I couldn't think of another person that it could have been. I just like it didn't make sense to me that it could be anybody else. But the fact that it's Luke raises an enormous number of questions. Before we get to that, though, um, what do you think of Mark Hamill de-aged?
1: It was great. Uh, it's it's as good as all the other de-aging has been. Um, it's as good as it can be in 2020 um and it was mark it was mark campbell's voice he yeah deaged his voice <laughs> like, <laughs> well he is man. a voice actor so exactly exactly that's why it works more perfectly for him than than others because right all he had to do was maybe watch back five minutes of a clip of him from return of the jedi and Be like, all right <laughs> i got it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah that was pretty cool i thought it was cool um What I feel like that tells me, though, and I'll see if we're on the same wavelength here, is that we're not going to see Luke again. No. No, no, no. Yeah, I think he's out. I think that, like, they would have cast someone. They could have cast someone. I mean, I know the fans have been calling for Sebastian Stan, who is, like, oddly a dead ringer for young Mark Hamill, if you do the hair right. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Um, And would be a decent choice for that character. Uh, but I think that, you know, I was waiting for the face, you know, I was waiting for the face to show because I feel like that would have told us all right then and there. Like, and it did if they planned on more Luke Skywalker in this series or in another series down the line. And I think that because they use CGI de-aging that that's definitive. No.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause it's too, It's too difficult to have a continued CGI de-aging for an entire, for multiple iterations, right? Because. Yeah, it is. uh, I.e., Gemini Man. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work for (laughs) a whole.
0: Yeah, it doesn't work. And I think that, like, in general, and we've talked about this, like, there is a reason that Grogu is a puppet. Like, he's a puppet because having a main character who's entirely CGI for. 16 straight episodes would look absurd after a while yeah and so i think that like yeah it's the same thing with cgi de-aging like in these short scenes like kind of like when they did it with leia in rogue one if you do it like in short scenes it's fine if you do it over the course of a whole movie you start to pick up on it and your mind starts to like see it and it breaks things (laughs) (laughs) right yes <laughs> <laughs> it like it breaks the effect at the very least and it breaks your brain as well so where am i yeah exactly all right so let's jump let's jump in on the implications and talk about sort of like let's project into the future what's going on here and Kirk's already grimacing um and I'll be honest with you when this is a true story. So I have been watching The Mandalorian while I like bike in the morning, while I ride my little stationary bike. And so I was like all fired up watching this episode. And when I saw the, the cruiser come in and I knew that it was going to be a Jedi, I literally was like, please don't be Luke. Please don't be Luke. Please don't be Luke. <laughs> and then when I saw the green saber, I said out loud, I was by myself, I said, oh, no, <laughs> because I knew that what that means is that Luke takes Grogu and trains him. And presumably Grogu is the later massacred mercilessly yes. by Kylo
1: Ren. Right? That is one implication. That's one option. One one timeline. Yes. Yeah.
0: What do you mean by that, Kirk? You're you on to something here. What, you, well, what are you going
1: for? Well, that's obviously one thing. Because if you think about it... Um, Luke is is fresh out of Return of the Jedi here at the time in the flashbacks in is it in like yeah in the last Jedi when we see the age of Luke Skywalker he's much older than that so there's a chance that Grogu could have been even a mentor or a Jedi trainer instead of a, a youngling at his Jedi Temple training class you know. Um, so maybe he rolled out. Maybe he's rolling fat on some other planet. Who knows? He could have. He could have gotten away from Kylo's reign, and.
0: But but here's the problem with that, Kirk. And this is where things get messy to me. Is and it, and it's messy all across the Mandalorian too. Like, Ahsoka Tano is another good example. Mm-hmm. There was this big first order galaxy ending event going on, you know, where you've got like, um, you know, Palpatine is like back, like re reanimated and has his like crazy zombie army <laughs> and all of that's going on. And all the while we just have Ray, you know, like we just have Ray and, and Poe and, and the, you know, like the new, the resistance, And we never hear from Ahsoka Tano, we never hear from Grogu, who is, like, this very Force-sensitive being who's, like, still very young. I just don't see how they could ever explain that while all of that crap was going on in the sequels, there were these two other beings, or even just one in Grogu, that was out there waiting in the wings for, I don't know, nothing, I guess? I don't know.
1: I guess the other theory is that Grogu was killed and using his blood powered either Snoke or Palpatine's re-rebirth. Yeah, Re-analyzed. which is terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> yes, like, is.
0: which is, which is hor- like, horribly sad. Like, this is where, and I, I'm, like, trying not to be annoying with this, but it was super cool to see Luke come back, and it was awesome to, like, have it tie back to the main trilogy. I know some people didn't love that, but I I was happy with it. It, I thought it was a very good payoff, but it does get a little bit messy beyond that because they spent two seasons making us care deeply about this character only to send it off to presumably be massacred by Kylo Ren with us never seeing it again. Like That is tough to
1: reconcile. In the books of Star Wars doesn't Luke like have a son? Is that right? Or no? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there so are like
0: there are yeah. children, but that stuff's like not canon. Or like it is canon, but it's not like the Skywalker saga canon.
1: Hear me out. Luke's son brings Grogu back to to Din Dar Din to Mando and that's how he survives and he's too young Luke's son at the time of the timeline of the rise of Skywalker and Grogu has to protect him away from everything. And so we'll see him in episodes 10, 11, and 12, Luke Skywalker's son and Grogu. Uh,
0: that's a stretch. It's that's being, that's being kind. That's being kind. (sighs) (laughs) I mean, I do think there's potential for them to explain that. Like maybe Grogu was like still too young after you know, like, during the events of everything that went down with The Rise of Skywalker and, like, the, all the sequels because he ages, like, insanely slow. Right. And he's 50 years old right now and can't talk and is basically just, like, cooing and doing baby things. You know you know what I mean? So, like, at 100, what does that make him? Like, two in
1: people years? Yeah, we're going to get to, like... Uh, 10 seasons of the Mandalorian and then coming soon on Disney plus Grogu and he's going to be like still in diapers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. My headphone is like falling out anyway. Yeah. That's the thing. Like they could maybe do that. They could maybe do that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some opportunities. I, 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 I don't have a lot of hope for that. I really think that (laughs) I really think that Grogu we just saw Grogu get sent off to be slaughtered by Kylo Ren, and that just does not sit well with me at
1: all. Yeah, it's brutal. We'll, we'll actually have a crawl uh, for season three. Grogu was horribly <laughs> murdered in a massacre by Kylo <laughs> they Ren. <do> the, yeah, <laughs> we, they do the crawl. We get a time jump. <laughs> so I.
0: So let's jump into that. Let's talk about what's next for the Mandalorian because presumably Grogu is you know onto different things. This show has sort of wholly evolved around the Mandalorian, you know, Din Djarin and Grogu the whole time, like the whole plot has. We know we're getting a season three. Where does it go from here? What, you know, like what is next? And do you think the show has as much oomph without that pairing?
1: Yeah, I can see if he if we're on the tail of him you know getting messages from grogu maybe some holograms in the first couple episodes of season 3 from luke telling him how it's going writing from the camp uh, the jedi camp that he'll soon be murdered at i think that could give it a good boost to season 3 but man i can't stand what's her name
0: uh oh what, what's Deen. her name
1: caradine yeah i mean i don't like her <laughs> I don't like
0: her, yeah, it's <laughs> I'm like I'm pretty lukewarm on that character, so like i I don't have really much interest in what that character is gonna do i I see her probably playing more of a role in like that Rangers of the New Republic series
1: that they're coming out with, sure, so just as long as she they keep her over there, that's fine, and I'll still watch that show, but i I need them to be separate. I don't want there to be like a love story between those two. Uh, I'd be much more interested in Ahsoka and Mando falling in love.
0: Falling in love—that oh, would be that would be interesting. That would be interesting. <laughs> you have some wild plot ideas for the, hey for the Mandalorian universe. I'm just brainstorming. Um, I think it's here. Here's the thing: is like, at least for me, when I'm when I'm watching the Mandalorian season one and two, I'm thinking. At some point, they're going to have to get rid of this kid because it just, they cannot, it's not sustainable. At some point, it's going to have to end and they need to probably do it sooner rather than later so that they can move on to whatever the show is going to be. But at the same time, when you actually think about that reality, you're like, well, what is this show without him? You know, Mm -hmm. like he is the yin to Din Djarin's yang. And, And maybe there's this, maybe there's an argument for Dinjarin has sort of found himself now through that whole experience with Grogu. Like he's he took off his helmet at the end and was like crying and stuff like that, which is a very different thing than we've seen. Maybe there's a different vibe there that maybe will give that character a little bit more depth so he depth so he can carry a show by himself. Maybe this whole like him having the darksaber and being like Because of that being the ruler of Mandalore, apparently, like that could be a potential plot line to explore, but it does give me a little bit of pause because the first two seasons of the show were so lovable because of everything that was going on there. And season two was much better than season one, in my opinion. Yes. And so it's, uh, it's just, it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder, but we'll see, man, we'll see.
1: We'll see in twenty twenty-seven when the Mandalorian returns.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. So after the credits of the finale, there is an extra scene of uh Fennec or Fennec or however you pronounce that mm-hmm. and and Boba Fett going back to Jabba's Palace to claim the throne and in doing so killing Bib Fortuna, which is hilarious. For so many reasons. <laughs> but and there's just like this epic sequence of like they kill everybody in Jabba's Palace and then Boba Fett takes the throne with Finnick at his right hand and it's like the book of Boba Fett coming, which is awesome. That scene was awesome. I loved it. And um we knew that show was coming, but it's coming December twenty twenty one, which mm-hmm. is when we were originally told Mandalorian season three. Three would be coming, um, and John Favreau actually went on Good Morning America this morning, and basically said that Book of Boba Fett is a separate series. I know there were some like weird rumors on the internet that it was like it was Mandalorian season three or something like that. Yeah, it is its own deal, and it's coming in December of next year, and then it will be closely followed by. Mandalorian season three, which I guess would make that almost certainly 2022 at some point. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep.
0: So that's That's how long we'll have to wait. So, to your point about time jump, do you think we'll get a time jump? I kind of think we will.
1: It'd be pretty cool if we did. It's a good way to reset the energy. Yeah. Because then you're like, oh, we're here now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Here are the things you can do the whole like, you know, the first episode is, like, here are the things that have changed since the last time. You know, basically, like, new lay of the land. You can do things a little cleaner that way. You don't have to get into, like, the messy details. Um,
1: I kind yeah, of dig just, that. Just through bits of exposition. You can even have, like, a two-minute intro where where you pick up at the exact same moment, and then you kick to a black screen five years later. And yeah. Then let's go. Yeah. yeah, that could work, too.
0: Yeah, it does get interesting, though, when you you know, now that I'm thinking through this sort of out loud, when you talk about time jumps and we know that this is set between return of the Jedi and the force awakens. And there's like approximately, I can't remember if it's like a 30 year gap or um, like somewhere between 20 and 40 years Mm
1: -hmm.
0: between there. So you're, you're somewhat constrained in terms of time jumping by that um, before you start stomping on the sequel timeline. Which I don't think they want to do.
1: No, no. But we could in this little window with all of these shows. One of them could drop uh, when Rey was it was ripped from her parents. You know, so that's that's an option. Potentially, it's pretty kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Speaking of that, and like speaking of the sequels, I was really surprised that toxic Star Wars fans were not on full display
1: after this. Yeah, I weren't you. Yeah, they they really were just either quiet or for it, which is totally unlike them. Yeah, they were mostly for it. Like mm-hmm. the
0: same people that would usually be throwing a huge fit about stuff were like totally for it, and I know that they had to have come to the same realization that you and I did that like, Grogu's like gonna go off and die at the hands of Kylo Ren. So I was just like very surprised that the reaction was overwhelmingly positive. In fact, after I watched it on Friday morning, I texted you, and I was like, it's about to go down. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I really expected it to turn, but it just didn't, which was totally baffling to me.
1: Maybe they hate Grogu so much that they were super excited (laughs)
0: about his future. No one hates Grogu, except for Satan. Like, Like, it's just not humanly possible to hate that little precious puppet child he's so cute he's so precious all right that's the mandalorian season two that's a wrap that's going to be the last time we talk about the mandalorian for a while which is very sad um if you have thoughts on the mandalorian you're listening to us and you're like oh i thought about this or i thought about that or you guys didn't cover this let us know you can dm us through social media you can Engage with us on social, like right on our Facebook wall. If that's is that still a thing, you can like message us on Facebook. The wall. I don't know. Is it the still wall still a the thing? Wall. You can just post at somebody,
1: you know. Just send us a telegram, and we will
0: find it. <laughs> yeah, carrier pigeon. We're available, and we want to talk about it because this is all we do. Um, but that's the Mandalorian. All right, let's shift gears. So, know what's popping this week because there really just is not a uh, ton of news, but I do want to go off script here for a second, just to say, um, the one unfortunate news story that did break today is that John Mulaney checked himself into rehab. And so I just want to say like, John Mulaney is an awesome creator, one of the funniest, most inventive people that we have. And, um, you know, me and Kirk both like our hearts go out to him and, you know, he'll be in our thoughts and prayers. And, the other thing too is like, can I just say how thankful I am that this was, the new story was John Mulaney is checking himself into rehab and not John Mulaney OD'd, you know what I right. mean? Like, like addiction is super scary and it's a disease and it's one that needs to be destigmatized because it's just like anything else. It's a vice and it's something that has a hold on people and, and, and. Sure, it starts because someone makes a bad choice, but it, there's a lot of that that's just completely outside of your control. Um, so I will say good on, good on John Mulaney and his support system for doing the right thing and getting him into rehab. And, you know, I have the utmost faith that he's going to crush it and, and be back better than ever. You know, like if you listen to his stand-up, you know that he's someone who has struggled with sobriety, started drinking at a really young age, got mixed up with drugs at a really young age and has dealt with it before. And so, um, you know, my heart just breaks for him that this is, you know, back in a part of his life, but just, you know, we're, I know you and I were talking, we're both just so thankful that he is in a situation, um, where he's getting help.
1: So, right. Right. And you have to, you have to think that it's just another, not victim, but another, consequence of this pandemic um, with John certainly idle hands and idle minds you know I'm sure he's out there trying to create he recently signed on to be a writer at Seth Meyers talk show you know uh, and it just it's so difficult for so many people out there that are struggling with all sorts of different addictions of being um, cooped up inside not being able to see their friends and family you're so right system yeah yeah it, it was just so great to see just the love poured out for him. Uh, yes, that, that I everyone agree. Everyone was just excited that he was going to, you know, hopefully going to be okay. That, that exactly the news story could have been absolutely tragic, in a, in a year of tragedy. so uh, very excited that for him that he is getting the help he needs. I mean, I quote him on the daily uh, from all of his his specials. Came and I saw him live. Oh, yep. And it was the so funniest wonderful.
0: comedy show I've ever been to in my life, hands yes. down
1: yes and i can't wait for more uh he's he's gonna he'll, he'll bounce back and it's gonna be really exciting
0: yeah i will say that's a good point like if this story comes out 10 years ago he's getting slammed and so i feel like that's good that like we've come to that point as a society like we're we've been working for so long to like destigmatize mental illness destigmatize addiction and and today like actually felt like a step forward there. Like there, Mm -hmm. there was everything that I saw on Twitter and on Facebook was like an outpouring of support and like, you got this, like, let's go. Um, which was good to see. So, um, yeah, we wish him the best. And if you're, if you're the praying type or whatever, um, just keep, keep John Mulaney and his family in your prayers, uh, throughout the holiday season. So, all right. Um, let's shift gears. Let's, Let's review, I mean, we had an Oscar contender, what I've been calling an Oscar contender, in Mank last week. I think, I think that's safe to say, don't you, Kirk?
1: Easily, it'll be up there.
0: Yeah, um, and we've got another one this week. So we're, we're, um, we're right in the middle of award season. We're, we're starting to get into it. So the movie we're reviewing this week is called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It is a, an adaptation of an August Wilson play. And uh, it released on Netflix, and it's available on Netflix for you to watch at your leisure. So if you want to pause this episode and watch this 94-minute movie and then jump back in, I think that's a good choice. And uh, Kirk will give a synopsis real quick, and then we'll go into our spoiler-free review.
1: Here we go. Loosely based on the real-life blues singer Ma Rainey, August Wilson's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom explores the vivid snapshot of the 1920s and 30s following a small band of hopeful artists set against the backdrop of racism, classism, and more. Find out in Netflix's Ma <laughs> Black Bottom, now streaming.
0: You're like Johnny Gilbert on The Price is Right with that, man. That's what it reminds me of. Like <laughs> The movie could be Schindler's List, and you would be out here,
1: <laughs> or like Sophie's Choice, and you'd be like, all that and more. <laughs> I want to do a string of synopses that have that. <laughs> it's so great it gets me every time it's so funny (laughs) um
0: yeah it's funny before we dive into this like first of all i so i try to read very little about movies before i go into it because there's so much freaking information that's why i say i try because i a lot of times get bombarded with like reviews and crap on twitter just like while i'm innocently scrolling um But I actually did a good job of staying away from everything on this one, and I had no idea that it was an adaptation of an August Wilson play, um, which for those of you who did not see the 2016 movie Fences that starred uh, Denzel Washington and Viola Davis and was also directed by Denzel Washington, this is um, by that same playwright. August Wilson wrote Fences and wrote Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And apparently, I did not know this until today, that Denzel Washington is going to produce all 10 of August Wilson's Pittsburgh cycle plays, um, which were like hugely successful Tony award winning, um, you know, like Pulitzer prize type plays that came out in the 1980s. And, um, he's going to release all of them over the course of time. So this is two of 10,
1: two of 10, right. That we have so many more to go. Like it's insane that these, i fences was so great obviously this one you'll you'll hear our thoughts but let's keep going i wish there were 30 of them like they're they're so good
0: yeah for sure um all right kirk let's go into our superlatives who are you giving the oscar to
1: my oscar is gonna go to none other than mr chadwick boseman Rest chadwick yes i mean so i I loosely knew what this uh what this play slash hybrid musical was about uh okay. just from always being uh being grown up in the theater world and so I had an idea of what it was going to be so when I saw his picture on the poster i I was just thrilled because I kind of knew glimpses of what this character was and and it was just perfect it really was mm-hmm. when you see him on screen especially in in this uh this world that Denzel's creating through this, these these play cycles, um, you you know that they were plays first, but they're they're their own universe. They're their own style. They're you don't look. It doesn't look like you're watching it on a stage, but you can feel the flare and the flavor that they're throwing down. It's so cool. And Chadwick Boseman knew exactly what he needed to do to be in there. Uh what's really cool is that Chadwick Bozeman was one of nine people that Denzel gave full ride scholarships to yeah. to acting careers. That is, is super cool that he got to see someone that he encouraged and funded come and become this this major influence in so many people's lives and be so successful and be on top of all of that uh, such a good actor. When when he is just on screen, it is you just you just are, are infected with whatever he's feeling at that moment. Um, if there was a camera on me, I'm sure my eyes would be just like going crazy. Like, Oh yes. And you know, uh, <laughs> I, I just, I just would love to have a camera on me like through a second watch through to see what that happens. Like so Chadwick Boseman all the way.
0: Yeah, it's a good pick and it's my pick as well. I went with Chadwick Boseman. Um, I mean, you you said it really well. It, it truly is just a really electric performance from Chadwick. Um, it was, it was a different performance for him, different than some of the roles that he's been cast in before. He was like this hyper-ambitious, just like big mouth, you know, guy who is wanting to take over the world and is just hyper-talented and just like has so much at his fingertips but he can't control it. Um, and he embodied that so, so well. And just from a pure acting perspective his um his use of the staging, whether it was like choreographed, I mean I'm sure it was I'm sure it was choreographed to an extent, but his use of you know he the way he paced around, the way he you know used objects um like his prized yellow shoes to tell the story, um, used the lockers that were in the rehearsal room. Just all of that was so spot on and he, he gives about like a 5 plus, it may have been closer to a 10 minute monologue in this movie that is just breathtaking. Um, I don't think I blinked throughout the entire thing. <laughs> it was incredible and he's using all of the objects around him. He's playing off of his fellow actors who are saying nothing but are giving him visual cues. Um, it's, it's truly remarkable um, and a performance that it's it's so appropriate that this was his last performance because it really is just, it really just is, does embody who Chadwick was as an actor and as an artist and how much of a virtuoso and an absolute star he was. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, based on what I've seen, I think he's in line to potentially win an Oscar for this role. He may even be the favorite based on what I've seen so far. Now granted there are more movies to come but um, it is that good of a performance and in a movie where he stars alongside Viola Davis um, for him to to steal the show is quite a feat so it has to go to Chadwick Boseman for sure.
1: Who plays Levy? Levy
0: Green is the name of the character by the way.
1: That's right. That's right. Next up we got Scene Stealer. Scene Stealer. And of course, this goes to Miss Academy Award winner Viola Davis. Yep, for me. Um, so Ma Rainey is a real, a real blues singer uh, from the nineteen twenties and thirties, and this story is based very fictitiously off of that. Basically, they're going off of the vibes and the kind of the the, the trailblazing that that she did. And let me tell you, <clears throat> Ma Rainey was kind of a scary woman. <laughs> <laughs> and Viola Davis is a very powerful woman. And I always thought that Viola Davis has been has been a very a very beautiful woman. And when they when y- the makeup team, the way they put things on Viola Davis and the way Viola Davis changed her entire gait of how she walked and her physicality went. I mean, she controlled everything Uh, just like her character she controls everything when she's on screen uh, as as Miss Ma Rainey Uh, I I couldn't look away I couldn't look away because out of fear that she might reach through the screen and attack me because she was so um, uh, intimidating and at the same time you understood like where this like deep dark pain was coming from at times, and you're like, oh, tell me more. Like, can we have like a sequel where we, where, or a prequel where we go back to Ma Rainey's like upbringing? Like that'd be cool. I don't know. Maybe it's in one of the other eight plays from August Wilson. Maybe we'll get to explore that. Who knows? But I, I loved it. She wins.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, so mine's also Viola Davis. She's remarkable. She of course won her first Academy Award portraying an August Wilson character in Fences, so i um, glad to see her back in this world that suits her so well. Um, August Wilson wrote great female characters by the looks of it, and um, she had the additional burden that none of her cast members had of portraying someone who was a real-life person, uh, so that's always interesting, especially from a costume design perspective, from inf- vo- vocal inflection, all of that. You don't really get to create your own character. You are Somewhat anchored in what you're able to do, but she was just totally owning it and and very much in control. Viola Davis, when she's at her best, is completely un, untouchable from an acting perspective. She's a powerhouse and one of the very very best that we have. And she got you know the reason she's seen Steeler and not best award like best actor you know besides the fact that Chadwick Boseman was incredible is really just she didn't have that much screen time Mm -hmm. in a movie in which she is the titular character Um, she probably I mean I didn't I didn't count or anything but I don't think she has much screen time in this movie Um, but man when she's on the screen she is the movie (laughs) so it it's a remarkable performance and one that could garner her some award attention as well uh, no doubt and would be well-deserved. So um, huge shout out to Viola Davis, who is just incomparable.
1: So good. So good. All
0: right. Let's move on to uh, showstopper.
1: The showstopper for me has to be in the screenwriting. Um, it's very simple yeah. because they had, they had the blueprint uh, from the incredible award-winning play. And, What I loved about the screenwriting with this uh, of their adaptation is how well they made all of the incredible themes from this just work. I never, I always knew they were moving, but I never felt like this is what you're supposed to listen to. Like 100%. 100%.
0: Yeah.
1: It'd be so easy to do that. And especially in an adaptation, to be like, well, We have to make it toned down or toned up for film depending on the theme and Mm -hmm, everything mm -hmm. just locked in together with such precision that uh, I was just blown away every time any of the characters open up their mouths because it was through every character. It wasn't just Chadwick and Viola. It was through every character. Every character was involved and every character played a different part to support all of those. So there we go.
0: Yes. That is so money. I'm actually, I'm so glad that you said that because I, um, the themes were, were just total cash throughout, it masterfully executed. It, I was sitting here thinking, man, this thing is rich in themes. It's a one, one hour and 30 minute play slash movie. And it is just, I mean, every theme imaginable is there. And, and it's there in a, a way that is there for you if you want it but you don't, you're not forced to pay attention to it. This movie, and, and that's just, man, like that is good artistry. When it's interpretive, and you can have a conversation with 10 people about this movie, and they would have picked up on a different theme, and that's solely based off of where they're at in their own life journey, and what resonates with them. Like, it was so funny, like it took me probably 30 minutes into the movie, where I'm like, man, I'm picking up on all of this like, um, old older generation versus newer generation theme. And then I was like, Oh, but there's other themes layered in here. I'm just clicking onto that because that's, what's relevant to me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and to your point, like themes are only good. If you allow the audience to decide what is important there, like you have to give them the resources to figure it out by themselves, but it can't be too illicit to where it loses its effect. Um, and that was that was just on point the whole time. So I'm glad you called that out um, because that was not my showstopper. My showstopper is in general just the production design and the yes. um, <clears throat> it's it's an interesting thing for a number of reasons. One thing is you are adapting a play into a film, which if you're adapting a book into a film, you don't have that much of a burden to show why you made that choice because the the reason you're doing it is to bring something to life. When you're adapting a play to a film, though, you have to have a reason for why that thing needs to be moved off of the stage and into film, which are two similar mediums, though not the same. And they made up for that by having an impeccable production design by using um staging and camera angles and set pieces that are not possible in a staged theater environment to enhance the storytelling and I was so glad that they took the opportunity to do that because in a lot of ways I felt like fences didn't do that that fences really did feel like a play that got turned into a movie and you're sitting there thinking well I could have just watched the play this was really enhanced by the medium of film, which is exactly what you have to do when you're adapting something. And that's that's what was so impressive to me. Um, and that they did it so tightly, um, which was cool. And, and the last thing I'll say on production design is that this is an interesting era to um, make a movie about because it's not one that's touched on very often. Like 1927 in America is like not a common thing usually you have like turn of the century world war one world war two but this is like kind of in like that gray space in between it where it's like pre-depression but like post civil war and post slavery and like there's a lot of really interesting things going on in america but also because there aren't as many movies made during that time you have less less to pull inspiration from so this even though it was an adaptation felt altogether original in many many ways, um, so I thought just like top to bottom with the production design, it was thoughtful and it was really impressive for all of those reasons.
1: It's so true. It's such. So I immediately, upon finishing the film, googled um, stage production sets of the, the the stage version. Oh, cool! And there were limitations because like uh, there's there's there are several locations in the play, uh, just like there are in the film, and some. Theaters were not able to have enough space to build all of them, so they sometimes they had mm. one location, which would definitely take away from the intention uh, of of one of the main themes, uh, and I won't I won't tell you which one, but I think it's so crucial t- to be able to expand upon that, but more so, just like you said, the way that they moved through those spaces for the different scenes was so easy and it felt so magical whenever they stepped into different rooms or, or the exteriors and they, they nailed it. And I love that you called that out as well.
0: Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, let's jump into, sh- what are we on? Director's, director's, shoes. <laughs> director's shoes. shoes. What are your director's shoes, Kirk? What would you change?
1: I would have restaged the climax of this film the climax of this film is still very powerful uh it's very unexpected but I feel like it, that's the part that's the part that get that got missed a little bit I feel like that was their um their their tip of their hat to the stage play of, of how it was uh, blocked and choreographed and completed and so I wish that they would have taken a little bit more time to differentiate it because I feel like they would have Would have had a better impact on film if they changed it up. I don't know how they would have changed it up, but I know that there was an opportunity to change it slightly just based on the full the full walk through there. So can't tell you about it because it'll ruin the whole thing for you. So that's it. That's it's the climax. I would have restaged.
0: Yeah, I think. um, I think my take in general is around the end of the movie as well, because the climax is so close in proximity to the end of the movie that there isn't much resolution. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I probably needed more of. And, and it's, it's a careful note because you don't want too much talking at the end of the movie because it has to be interpretive. That has to be left intact. But I do think there was an opportunity for a lingering shot or two, or sort of a uh, a couple of like just more time with some of those ending scenes to really let things sink in, help you finalize your thoughts on some of the themes that were in place there, maybe drive a couple things home. Um, it's hard to It's hard to talk about it without going into detail. So that's why I say like for movies like this, it would sometimes be fun to not do a spoiler-free review. But I do just think that the resolution could have been a little longer, it felt quick, it felt a little rushed, and I think that there was more to be said there without necessarily saying it. So Yes. All right. Um, let's jump into our overall thoughts and let's score my Rainey's Black Bottom.
1: This is going to be an instant classic. I, I can imagine as as teachers are seeing this that they're already changing up their curriculums to be able to to teach on this on on civil rights and uh, just just culturally that time in history classes and social studies I feel like it's that powerful to just immediately infiltrate the, that time music classes whatever it might be uh, and I can see, possibly even, you know, a resurgence, another revival when Broadway opens back up to you to like get this thing back in people's faces because yeah. it's a very powerful story and it's a great one. So, I'm, um, I, I love the film. Uh, well done. Fantastic cast. Not a single bad egg in the bunch. 9.7 out of 10 kernels for this one.
0: Nice. Good score. Yeah. My score is high as well. I think it will be my highest of the year. If I remember to date, um, I thought this movie was really well done. I thought that that extra, you know, it was, they didn't overcomplicate it and they didn't oversimplify it. And it was just right in the sweet spot from everything that we've talked about with the themes, with the production design, they were very, very intentional and very thoughtful. And that's just something that you have to respect, especially taking care with an adaptation, which is something so few people do these days so many adaptations miss the details or forget that question that we always talk about on this show, which is why are you adapting it to film? Why are you adapting it to television? That is the crucial question you have to answer. And it has to be the through line through the production. I think that they checked that box and then some on this movie. So for me, it's a 9.4 out of 10 kernels. And I expect it to be a Best Picture nominee, I would say. It's um, it's quite good, especially in 2020. Yeah. It's it's the best that I've seen so far.
1: Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Screenplay, Adaptation. Yeah, Adapted like,
0: Screenplay. Uh,
1: it's going to yeah. run the gauntlet for sure.
0: Yeah, so definitely one to check out when you got some time off of work. Hopefully over these next couple of weeks, it's a, like we said, quick movie, 94 minutes. I watched it last night and I was like, it's over. What? Yeah. <laughs> like that was a, uh, that was a quick drink of water. No, no problems there. Um, which was much needed cause it was late and I needed yeah. to go to sleep. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was very thankful for that.
1: We procrastinate on watching these, not because we don't <laughs> want to watch the movies, but because we don't have time Yeah, and we don't have time. <laughs> yeah. Of and course.
0: like sometimes, or I'll tell myself I want it to be fresh. You know, yeah. like I, I want, to, I want it to be like fresh in my mind whenever I go to review it.
1: Or we, um, we don't, uh, we don't pick a movie as well.
0: It's like, <laughs> I yeah, I think we procrastinate more on the picking of the movie than we do the watching. We're like, it'll be like Saturday afternoon. And we're like, so uh, <laughs> what are we going to review this week? And it's like, oh crap. And I think it's um,
1: because there was a brief period in our episode. Um, history where we probably went through like four bad movies in a row, and I think we're just avoiding yes. that like the plague.
0: <laughs> we are,
1: we are for sure,
0: <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, cool. So that's my rainy's Black Bottom. If you got a chance to check it out on Netflix, let us know your thoughts. Let's talk through some of these themes. There's tons of them. I would love to hear. I'm sure there are ones that I missed. I'm sure there are ones that I picked up that you didn't. It's uh, it's great in that way. So let's have some dialogue about it if you're interested in in it. And we'll see what happens come awards time. All right. Let's move on to our schoolyard pick, which because it is the holiday season, is going to focus on a time-honored genre of film, which is Christmas movies. And I get to go first, but I will also tease this out while we're we're doing this. Kirk came to me a couple weeks ago and was like, hey, Cam, you know how you made that Disney movie bracket? You should do one for Christmas movies. And I was like, yes, I will do that. And it has been incredibly difficult (laughs) to pull (laughs) together, but it's very close to being done. Um, So I can't wait to share that with all of you guys. It is a 64 movie bracket. And the bracket is broken into regions that pair movies that are somewhat like each other. So Mm -hmm. there's one region that's classic movies, which is movies made before 1990. Then there's modern Christmas movies, which is movies made after 1990. There's unconventional Christmas movies. That's like your Gremlins, your Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, like weird things like that. And then there's animated Christmas movies. So... That's what'll be competing against each other. I can't wait for you guys to see it. It'll be a lot yes, of
1: fun. I, and I just want to stress that uh, this burden that I put on Cameron has aged him thirty years at least. Because yeah. uh, I knew there were a lot of Christmas movies, but holy cow! I was talking with him the other day at the dinner table, and he was saying like, <laughs> "No, no, no, you have no idea, Kirk. There are there are thousands, <laughs> thousands to categorize." And yeah, uh, it's been it's been quite a treat. So when you watch this on. Uh, on the streaming uh, YouTubes, Uh, he's actually only, he's less than 30, ladies and gentlemen. He's not 65 years old.
0: (laughs) I know, which will be hard to believe for some people. (laughs) I think also um, the hardest part of it, dude, has been determining how to properly score them. Because I think with like, with the Disney one, it was was easy-ish to see the movies because like, you can go off of somewhat objective things. Like, aggregate critic scores, aggregate box office numbers, things that are like metrics of success. But with Christmas movies, you don't want to go by those numbers cuz so many things like become classics after they left the theaters like they weren't successful in theaters and then people love them and some of them are just objectively bad movies that people love <laughs> a lot and you know, that's that's what's tricky about the genre. So I was like, man, how do I how do I um uh, score this, how do I seed them in a way that's truly indicative of the category? So that was that was a challenge, but I think I've got it figured out. So we'll find out on Wednesday when I when I post that. Um yes. on, our, on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. So that'll be fun. All right. But without further ado, let's get into this. We're doing schoolyard pick of Christmas movies. I have the first pick and this is an absolute no-brainer. It's it's a wonderful life. It's my This might be a top five favorite movie of mine ever. And that's just regardless of it being a Christmas film. Like that doesn't even factor in. I love this movie. I love Jimmy Stewart. I love Donna Reed. It's just an impeccably amazing Christmas movie. And uh, the messaging, the acting, it's timeless. I love it so, so much. It's just great.
1: Yeah, there's, there's. Uh, I knew you were gonna pick that one because you'd be a fool not to. And <laughs> Truly, there are so many wonderful facts about "It's a Wonderful Life." <laughs> Excuse me. I see me. what you did there. Yes, it, it, it's incredible. Like I, I still find out new, incredibly cool things about this. Like. Like Jimmy Stewart was was in the war before this and was suffering from like massive PTSD, and so that when he was filming these scenes specifically on the bridge, he was basically like working through some therapy. uh, In in the scope of the lens of of what this man George Bailey was going through, so like you're seeing some real sense memory, uh, um, uh, all all of the super actory things, and there's so many other cool factors about this show this movie i don't know maybe we should do a christmas special where we just talk about it's a wonderful life i don't know we could we could do it not to, not, not to this burden. year but <laughs> <laughs> with all of our too, free time you know yeah too late in the game this year but maybe next year kirk maybe next year. i got it christmas in july we'll do it you know oh i like
0: that i like that that's a that's maybe. that's got potential kirk that's got legs oh good we'll see what happens what's your number one pick
1: excellent choice ah oh, it's not fair it's not fair I've got to pick, well, this one, I can never take my eyes off of it when it's on The Santa Claus with Tim Allen.
0: Ooh, good one, good one. Yeah,
1: so inventive, Um, not the second or third, I I don't count those as real movies, I think those are just like nightmares actually, but the very first (laughs) one, so well put together, so well thought out, um, so creative from top to bottom. I could watch that one on repeat all the time. And in fact, I used to, uh, Aubrey, my, uh, my wife, your sister used to only be able to sleep with the TV on the entire mm-hmm. night. And it has an incredibly soothing DVD menu with the, with the, the snow globe that shakes. And then he, f- he flies around. Oh, And the great
0: soundtrack. Does. There's great, there's a great score to that movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it has to be the Santa Claus for me.
0: That's a great pick. I, I, I am a fan of that one. It's, we watched it, just it was one of the first ones that we watched this season, so that's that's always up there for me. It's a good choice. Yeah. Um, I am gonna go with the Muppets Christmas Carol <laughs> as my second pick, dude. I freaking love the Muppet Christmas Carol. It is such a hilarious thing because they like sort of intentionally, unintentionally made the best Christmas Carol adaptation with Muppets, which is hilarious. Um, but they like, it's one of the truest to the actual novel to Charles Dickens novel in terms of accuracy. Like Gonzo plays the role of Charles Dickens in the movie and reads actual lines from it. And so they stay pretty close to the actual story and the humor is still well intact. It's still, it still works to this day. Um, as the Muppets kind of always have. And, it's just fun. It's Michael Caine being <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge is just hilarious and lighthearted and awesome. Um, I can't say enough about it. I loved it as a kid. I love it as an adult. I think it truly, like, no, like all joking aside, I think it's one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made.
1: Excellent. Um, I must cite this next one because it is a Christmas movie, and I just, I stand... With all of you. Oh, here we Mufu go. Here we, here we as go. As well. Uh, you have no idea what I'm about to say. You have not, not a clue, <laughs> I'm sure. I must say, die hard. Yeah, that, there it is. Got to be there. I saw this movie when I was like six because my parents thought it would be a good idea. And oh, I think yeah, that's it. a great idea. I oh, think yeah, that's <laughs> a great idea. <laughs> what are you talking about? It, I say it younger every year. You know, I started, <laughs> I think, when a couple of years ago. Like, oh, I was 12. There's no way I was 12 when I saw this movie. <laughs> So I just keep backtracking it for funsies. Uh, I saw this in the womb, and I remember every bit of it in a couple (laughs) years. It will be uh, absolutely a Christmas movie. Uh, It he goes to a Christmas party, a Christmas party at Nakatomi uh, Plaza, and that is where everything gets gets destroyed. Hans Gruber takes over and Robs tries to rob the giant place of all of its money. So, Mm -hmm. Merry Christmas. Now I have a machine gun, ho ho ho. That's all I gotta say.
0: <laughs> that's a good pick. You'll be you'll be glad to know that Die Hard is on the Christmas movie bracket, and I believe it is a one seed in its region. So oh. it's uh starts out on top. So there you go, Kirk. That's yeah. that's just for you. Thank you. All right, pick number three. This is where it gets tricky. This is where it gets tricky. I think for nostalgia factor and just like this one's always in the rotation and high in the rotation. I got to go home alone. Ugh. I, I love this movie. I, I mean, I love the, um, the John Williams score that's in this movie. I think it really elevates it to great heights. Um, Joe Pesci is incredible in this movie. Um, there it's definitely like there's plot holes galore in this thing. So you can't think about it too hard because it starts to fall apart. But in terms of just like hijinks and like Christmas fun and just like creativeness, like I think it's a pretty creative movie in general in terms of a holiday movie. So, um, yeah, I really like it. It's a classic. It's one that you have to watch. I think everybody watches it every year. Um, it's, it's right up there with like Rudolph, like people watch it. (laughs) So I think that's gotta be up there for me. For sure, Home alone. excellent.
1: That was going to be my next selection. How dare you? Um, so <laughs> I must take "Jingle All the Way." Jingle All the Way. Great choice. <laughs> A great choice. This one, I mean, if you have not seen this, if you've been like waiting, maybe you were too old or too young to see this movie, just stop what you're doing right now at the end of this episode and go turn that stinking movie on. It's so good. Uh, Cameron and I have talked about it before. It's like the perfect 90s snapshot of everything that was popular uh, at the time uh, and is no longer relevant in any way, shape, or form. I don't think anything in that movie is successful anymore. No. <laughs> not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not, <laughs> not <Sinbad>. Rita Wilson. <laughs> what is it? Jake Lloyd, you know, young Annabelle yeah, Skywalker. Jake Lloyd. Nothing. No one. All of no it. one. Uh not even the mom. I mean, she is great, but I can't remember her name. Uh it's just it's sad. But it's also such a wonderful <laughs> piece of history in film. <laughs> I love it. It's so good.
0: Yeah and it it's it's see this is one of the movies that like on the bracket was hard to figure out because it is objectively bad movie that is beloved by so many people because it's hilarious because like <laughs> like at times it's genuinely funny and when it's not when it's trying to be serious it's funny because it's trying to be serious yeah and so it just like it's that perfect combo of like it has to be a cult classic because it just like keeps you rolling the whole time. Like there's I mean, bad acting, but it's funny. Like I don't know.
1: Schwarzenegger fights a reindeer in this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. He. Yes. Exactly. Schwarzenegger fights a reindeer. That's really all you need to know. Um, <laughs> and, and so much more. And that's not even the
1: climax of the movie. If you've never seen this, like
0: <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not. That's like. That's like the like 7th most exciting thing that's that <laughs> that happens in the movie for real. Oh, uh, it's a classic. Um, great choice. And an unexpected one, but one that I'm glad is on the board cuz it deserves it's it's due. Um, okay. My 4th pick. Mm. I am going to go with mm, This is tricky. I'm going to go with Elf. I'm ah. Go with Elf. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I think that this movie was, I remember seeing this movie. I, I actually remember seeing it in theaters at the Lincoln theater in Belleville on Thanksgiving in uh, 2003 when it came out and just loving it. I was, I was like 10 years old and I thought it was amazing. I still think it's amazing. We just watched it two nights ago. Um, the humor's hilarious. It, it just delivers on so many different levels. And I think Will Ferrell is like perfect for the holiday movie genre. I think he should do more, but elf was like John Favreau starting to show the world, his genius in, in ways that only John Favreau can. So I love that movie. It's so good.
1: Sorry, because it's midnight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's not midnight yet. You baby. It's close. It's It's getting there. Yeah, you're right.
1: (laughs) My next choice, I've got to go with A Christmas Story. Ooh, good one, yeah. Kind of off the beaten path there, uh, or as my my mother still accidentally calls it, she, she calls it Ralphie, uh, which is the main character in A Christmas Story. <laughs> yep. Um, for the longest time, I don't think she really understood that it was not like you know how movie, how like song titles have like a name, but then like parentheses is the real name. I think she thought this was an alternative name for a Christmas story for the longest <laughs> time. <laughs> and she quotes this as her favorite movie ever. And up until I believe 20, like eighteen, she had never seen it all the way through. And I'm like, Mom, wow. What in the world. Yeah, what in wow. the world is going on there? But this thing, uh, I have a kinship to it because the main character is blonde. I'm blonde. That's about as far as the relationship goes uh, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Um, similarities. But I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's also this weird, uh, just hijinks kind of own its own creative world that doesn't exist in real life. So you're like, what? Is, what am I watching? Uh, so definitely a classic in my opinion, and it'll probably rank pretty high on my bracket.
0: Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, okay. Last pick. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to like, I could pull out some, some deep cuts, some things <laughs> that I like that other people probably don't like. I don't think I'm going to go there. Um, if I was going to pick a deep cut, I would pick the year without a Santa Claus. Cause I think that <laughs> that's, that's a, one of those claymation movies. That's like pretty, pretty bad just objectively, but I loved it as a kid and I still watch it every year. Um, but I am gonna go with uh How the Grinch Stole Christmas. This is the nineteen sixty seven Boris Karloff version, the animated version. I love it. It's it's concise. It's great. It's um I love the animation. I love the song by the guy with that incomparable oh like gosh. un just amazing voice that they like, Do you know the story behind that, that he just like showed up for an audition yeah, and they were like, um, your voice is absolutely mesmerizingly amazing. You should sing this song. And he did like incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's gotta be how the Grinch stole Christmas. That, that, that movie is just awesome. I love it.
1: It's beautiful. It's a beautiful choice. I uh, feel shame for not having that even on my list. Um, so you should,
0: you should be ashamed of yourself.
1: Uh, feel free to throw anything at me that you wish. My next choice, my final choice. is cho- <laughs> <laughs> oh, throwing things through me virtually. They're coming through the screen. I was waiting for Hold you on, to do pick it up a pin and like hit again. yourself. Do it again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. That
1: was our. That's our bit. That was pretty good. First, first my, try. My final pick: A Charlie Brown Christmas.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. That was a contender. That was a contender for sure.
1: It's just, if you haven't watched this, uh, are you even alive? Uh, Charles Schultz created this masterpiece uh, of just, you want to talk themes, Ma Rainey has themes, but it's got nothing on Charlie Brown Christmas. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So true. They both have good themes. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't. Please don't send me a hate email. Please. Please. Uh, Great. uh, I just love Charlie Brown Uh, A kinship to him Um, just people don't understand him and he's just trying to be the best the best kid he can be and he loves that little little broken tree with all of his heart and then his friends are like you know what Charlie Brown you're the man your heart's in the right spot and they fixed it up Uh, spoiler alert uh, this is the whole story of Charlie Brown Christmas
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you have to spoiler alert Charlie Brown Christmas I don't know what what if someone was like
1: how dare you how dare you sir (laughs) I've been waiting 40 years this was going to be the year that I watched it and you blew it. <laughs> and now I have no intention, no need to watch it. My life is over. That would be
0: awesome. Yeah, and and Charlie Brown finally gets his due in this one. I say finally. I think it was the first one that came out, but um he gets his due, you know, it, in the Halloween one he you know, he just gets crapped on. People are giving him people like grown adults are giving this kid rocks in his trick or treat bag, which is just like petty to the max. His parents must be so hated. Then you got Thanksgiving where peppermint Patty just comes in, blows the whole thing up being a total jerk. She never even really apologizes for the whole thing. And then he like, he makes them all go to he like, he lets them all go to his grandparents' house after that horrible, like all them inviting themselves over just a disaster. So he really deserved this. People are mean to him for no reason. And um yeah, he deserved his due. They 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 needed to come around for Charlie here. So it's right. it's a good story. Sorry, rant over on tra- <laughs> on Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah, well good picks. Um we'll have the we'll have the Christmas movie bracket out later this week just in time for all of your family holiday celebrations it will be nice and printable so that you can print it out and pass it around at your family christmas celebrations and compare your brackets Uh, be sure to share them on social media with us because we love to see that stuff it was a lot of fun when we did the disney and pixar brackets to see which people had which movies coming out on top so um be sure to partake and uh that's all we got for you guys um from, on behalf of me and Kirk, I will say that we wish you all an amazing holiday season, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and we will see you guys on the other side. Um, we also want to give thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and, of course, the band Rhetoric, who gives us our original music, which you're about to hear right now. We'll see you guys in 2021. Talk to you.